Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 337 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Critical lesson today having to do with technique. We're going to talk about the tennis tension paradox. And this is something I observed recently at my local tennis club. We're, my family and I were members at a local tennis and, and kind of family fitness club in the Milwaukee area. And it's, a, it's an old school club that's been kind of um, transitioned over to a more modern uh, kind of full service fitness and health club, but that still has the tennis courts. And the gym upstairs, a lot of times on the weekends, I'll go there with my kids. They have like a playroom for my kids and I'll work out upstairs. And I love working out there because the, the gym is up on the second floor and there are, there's viewing area on three different sides, windows overlooking, looking down onto different banks of tennis courts. So I'll, I'll kind of go from movement to movement, working out or stretching. And in between sets or stretches, I'll, I'll get up and kind of walk over to the window and watch people play tennis. And it's kind of one of my favorite things is just to relax and be by myself and just watch other people try to try to play good tennis uh, is something that I, I enjoy kind of analyzing and observing and just being a spectator. So this uh, match that I observed recently, there was one player in particular that was demonstrating a really classic approach to hitting a serve from a beginner up to about intermediate level. This guy was using a, a super classic waiter tray service motion. If you're not familiar with the term waiter tray, if you can just, just imagine a, a waiter in a fancy restaurant walking through the dining area with a, a big circular tray of dishes. Imagine the, the palm of his hand facing upwards, supporting the tray, which is supporting the dishes. Basically, waiter tray serve means the palm faces upwards, the racket face faces upwards, and then there's just a forward pancake, frying pan kind of drive through the ball and the result is a serve that is kind of a a laser beam delivery and the only way to really make it work is to shoot it just over the top of the net to to have it clear the net and also stay inside the box if the ball goes over the net by more than like a couple inches and you hit it hard with that waiter tray delivery then it ends up sailing too far because it's a very lateral direct straight swing path. It's it's very low contact points. We've all, we, if you're listening to my description, I'm sure you can imagine exactly the type of serve I'm talking about. So this person was playing doubles and as, he, as I watched a service game of his, he missed five serves in a row. He double faulted twice in a row and then almost double faulted a third time in a row before he finally put a serve into the box. And so I'm, I'm watching this kind of unfold, this drama, and by the way, a scenario that all of us have been in at some point or another where we feel that pressure of not wanting to let our partner down, we're a little bit tight maybe on the serve, and we're just, we're just handing the game over, just totally giving it away. But with this particular player, I, you know, it was easy to tell from my viewing uh, area that it was, he kind of had it coming because he's playing just this tricky, tiny margin balancing act with 
a little bit too high and it sails past the service box, a little bit too low, it ends up hitting the tape. And so he was just kind of going back and forth from hitting it long to hitting the net, hitting it long, hitting it into the net. And so his partner was just walking back and forth, back and forth from service box to service box, just waiting for him to put a serve in the box. And obviously the server was feeling more and more pressure to have to figure out how to put the ball in the service box. And so as I watched him from serve to serve to serve to serve, his response was super classic. As he missed number two and number three and number four, his whole body was tensing more and more and more. And he was kind of fighting against himself and clenching down and tensing up incrementally more each time that he hit a serve. And the reason why is he has a connection between controlling what his racket is doing and controlling the outcome of the shots. And the more he was trying to control what his racket was doing, the more the balls kept flying straighter and straighter. And eventually, finally, on that fifth attempt, I'm sorry, the sixth attempt, after missing five serves in a row, on the sixth attempt, he finally just kind of gave in and just patty kicked the ball over. Just opened the racket face up and just kind of popped the ball up into the air over the net and down into the service box on the other side, hitting a you know a completely um, a, a serve that had absolutely no competitiveness. It had absolutely no offensiveness or aggression. Just totally just sat it up on a silver platter for the person hitting the return of serve. And so this is a pattern that so many tennis players fall into, and not just on their serve, but on their forehand, on their backhand on their overheads, on their volleys. Any shot can fall victim to this tennis tension paradox. And the higher the stakes are, the more pressure that we feel, the more internal tension we tend to have, and the more we really want to make sure that we make this happen for ourselves and for our partner. And the more we feel that pressure, the more we try to direct the ball and control where it's going basically micromanaging what the racket does and trying to kind of lock the racket down on the right path and send the ball exactly where we want it to go. And when we do that, the result is that racket head speed is slowed and the path of the racket is straightened. And so we're taking away energy and we are creating a more linear path towards our target. And the result is no spin. When we have no racket head speed and we have no direction of swing that moves past the ball, the straighter our racket travels and the more we clench down and the more we inhibit the movement of the racket, the less spin we have. And the less spin we have, the less shape we have. The less shape we have, the less margin for error there is. And so the more mistakes we actually end up making. Plus, as we clench down, our efficiency plummets and so we don't get any pace or any speed, or any movement on the ball either. And so this is the the paradox, where the more players try to control what's happening, the less desirable the result is. And so this response that I saw from this player a couple weeks ago was a classic example of that, until he finally just gave in 100% and just did whatever he could to just tap the ball over the net. But we all know if that's the only way you can make it work, then you will, you will always be handcuffed. You'll always be shackled to whatever your current level of play happens to be. Now, contrast this with great tennis players. 
Great tennis players do the exact opposite. When they feel that internal tension and anxiety, they consciously relax, they loosen, they allow the racket to move as freely as possible because they understand that the more that they relax, the more racket head speed they can create. And once they have the racket head speed, if they move the racket in the right direction, which is somewhere other than towards their target, they can create more spin. And the more spin they make, the more safety they have. And so it's the opposite response from what I saw from this player and what I see from countless players that we've worked with over the years. And so don't feel badly. I mean, if this sounds all too familiar, this is a trap that all tennis players fall into. And I'm not at all trying to say that good players never have this happen. Good players have this happen as well. We, we all get tight from time to time. But the best players are aware of it and they actively work against it. The cycle that you want to stay away from is being in that big moment and feeling that internal pressure, that internal like desire that I really want this to work out in my favor. And so you feel that anxiety. And then once that happens, the next step is as you feel that increased pressure, your physical response to that mental anxiety is to get tighter physically. And then as the body tightens, your percentage uh, likelihood of actually being successful drops. The more you tighten, the less likely it is that you're going to actually make the shot. And paradoxically, as you miss, you feel more pressure. And so this player, after missing that fifth serve, I promise you, at, by that point, it's like, you've reached a boiling point and it's like, I just can't even deal with this anymore. And so he had to release the pressure by just taking away all competitiveness, all acceleration, all uh, desire to try to hit a good solid shot. And just instead, just just kind of hand himself over to the situation and say, all right, I'm just going to tap it over because I'm not coming away with any solutions here. And players kind of go around and around in that cycle. So here's how to break it. Number one, three steps. Step number one is observe it's happening, especially those those first indicators of anxiety or tension or nervousness. We've talked a lot on the podcast about how those things are normal and those things are good. You shouldn't be trying to fight those feelings. You shouldn't be trying to repress them or push them away. They don't mean that you're a bad player or a bad competitor. They're actually an incredibly positive sign that You've put yourself in a challenging position and you care about the outcome. That's a good thing. So just learning to observe and and feel when it's starting to happen is step number one. A lot of players, you know, they feel it, but it's almost kind of a passive thing. Like there's no conscious awareness of, oh, this is happening inside my mind and inside my body. They're just kind of... Um, Going, they're being taken along like for a ride by their feelings and by their thoughts. And you can't step out of that pattern until you are conscious of it and you observe it. Step number two, I just kind of touched on a little bit, is acceptance. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It doesn't mean, again, you're a bad player. Do not judge yourself if you feel those feelings. It's a normal, natural part of competing. It's something that you care about. And then step number three is train your response. Once, once you are aware of it and you're no longer judging yourself or saying, oh no, this means I'm about to choke. Once you get away from judging yourself and 
telling yourself that story that once you feel that feeling, it's all over, then your next task is to say, what am I going to do instead? And that comes from consciously moving on and telling, giving yourself some kind of positive direction or, or affirmation to move in. And I don't just mean mentally like you're a good person or you're a nice tennis player. I mean, tell yourself consciously, relax, loosen my grip, allow my body to flow. And it's only through conscious training that you can start to do the opposite from what the natural response is for so many players. I don't believe it's natural to be smooth and flowing and and relaxed and calm in a pressure environment. I think that has to be trained. And so you have to train yourself in order to fight that urge to go into clamp down mode, get tight, get rigid, start hitting the ball straight at your target and lose all of your confidence and lose all of your margin for error. So that's the tennis tension paradox. That's Those are your beginning steps to start to avoid it. With training, you can actually start to enjoy that environment. And with training, you can start to hit better and better shots as the stakes are higher and higher. That's what we admire and all of the world-class performers that we enjoy watching so much. And at whatever level you play right now, you can start to learn how to do that yourself. You don't have to be an elite world-class performer in order to flip this script and start to perform better when it really matters the most. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.